Well, hi, and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. Um, and I'm Dan, and a solo episode today, and I want to talk about the subject of spiritual gifts. Um, now, in some ways, I feel like this is well-trod ground. This is ground that a lot of people have covered. There's a lot of different ways to approach this. And so I want to approach it a little bit differently. Um, if you're a seasoned Christian, you're used to this subject. If you're not a seasoned Christian, maybe some of this stuff will be new to you. But here's the main thing that I want to talk about related to spiritual gifts. I want to say it is not that important that you discover your spiritual gift. I'm not going to say that it's not important at all. But when it comes to the subject of spiritual gifts, if we were ranking all the most important things about how we respond to the reality of spiritual gifts, I'm going to say the idea of discovering precisely what gift you have ranks low on the priority, certainly lower than we sometimes act like. And so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to cover some scripture in this, but, but what I'm going to say is I'm going to say I think that when we overestimate the importance of discovering our spiritual gifts, it leads us into at least four mistakes. And I want to talk through those four mistakes because that might help provide us some guidance because God wants us to respond to the whole idea that each of us has spiritual gifts and to use those for the service of the church. So I'll talk about four mistakes to make when we overestimate how important it is that we discover our spiritual gifts. Um, mistake number one. Mistake number one is that when we overemphasize the importance of discovering our own spiritual gifts, it's easy for us to conclude that our spiritual gifts are about us. I need to discover my spiritual gift so I can figure out how I make use of it. Uh, my favorite verse on spiritual gifts is in 1 Corinthians 12, which is one of the classic passages that talks about spiritual gifts. If you're looking for more reading on this later, if, if you're saying, I'm not as familiar with this, and so it, you'll definitely want to read 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, read chapters 12 through 14. It's an extended passage on this. You'll want to read Romans 12. You may want to read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, where there's some talk about this. I'll be in 1 Peter 4 lately for uh, later for a couple verses. Um, but my favorite verse on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7, which simply says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so manifestation of the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, there's a manifestation of the Spirit that's given to each. He's talking to every Christian, everybody who has placed their faith in Jesus. We have a manifestation of the Spirit, and what he means by that is that the Spirit has gifted us in some ways. To each one, manifestation of the Spirit was given. Why? For the common good. And, and this even makes me think back, and, and hopefully is meant to make us think back, to some passages in Acts. Um, there's a passage in Acts chapter 2 and a passage in Acts chapter 4 where it talks about early believers and talks about them having all things in common, which, which doesn't mean exactly what we think of today when we think of having something in common with somebody. We, we think like maybe we like the same music. But what it's talking about is that they were taking all of their possessions and all of their resources and they were making them common goods for the group, for the church. They were saying, whatever I have is yours, we're just going to put it in the middle, and whoever needs anything, they just come and get it. It's, it's common goods. That's a little bit like the picture that Paul is painting here, saying each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, your spiritual gifts don't belong to you. Your spiritual gifts belong to the church. 
They belong to the body of Christ. Um, and I was thinking about this just a, a couple weeks ago. I, I felt like I was observing an illustration of this concept. So my youngest son is playing soccer right now, and his team is really good. Um, I, I can say I'm not coaching the team. I, I can't take any credit for anything, but this team is really, really good. Um, and they had a game a few weeks ago where there were, uh, several of the kids were sick, and so they were playing with only eight players. So they had not only had no subs for the game, but they were down a player because there's supposed to be nine on the field at any given time. Um, they lost this game. It was only one of the only games all year that they lost, and they barely lost it. They, it was a team that was definitely beatable for them, but they were down a player. Um, now, now here's the deal. He, you could see this happening on the field as you were watching. Um, his team has three players that usually are the forwards. They're they're the three main goal scorers. They work really well together. They're well in sync. Well. Because we were down a player, one of those three players had to go back and play defense. Now, he was very good at defense, but because he was going back and playing defense, the two attackers, the two strikers, it was out of sync. They did their best. In fact, each of them scored a goal and they almost were able to pull it off, but it, it just wasn't the same. If we had had just one of those defenders who was sick, and, and again, it wasn't the kid's fault that they weren't there, but, but if just one of them had been there, then the kid who had had to move to defense could have moved back to offense. We definitely would have won that game. And so here's why I'm bringing this up. The absence of the kids cost the team. It left a hole. The idea was like, hey, th this isn't just about it's sad that you missed a game. The team needed you there. Now, once again, not, not the kid's fault. He was sick. But, but let's say instead the kid just said, you know what? I had something else come up. Or I don't really feel like coming today. Or, or I had a better offer. Or I have this party that I'd like to go to, and I'm just going to go ahead and go to it there would be an appropriate sense of the team saying, you're letting us down. We are counting, we, we have to fill holes since you're leaving. And those holes affect the whole team. There's an element of that that we can talk about with the church, where we can say, all right, if somebody's saying, hey, you know what? I'm not interested in figuring out how to use my gifts for the good of the church. I'm not interested in serving. I'm not inter interested in cultivating this or growing in this. We could say, you're leaving a hole and that probably means other people have to make up for that. And maybe some people are even having to play out of position and do things that they're not naturally gifted at because you are leaving a hole. Our spiritual gifts belong to the church. And when we get uber-focused, just super-focused on what are my gifts and how do I discover them, we can end up making the mistake of thinking that our spiritual gifts are primarily about us and our own self-actualization and self-realization. This is so exciting to learn about myself. It's not about us. The primary thing that we're meant to do with our spiritual gifts is use them for the good of the church, for the mission of God to spread the light of Jesus near and far, wherever it will go. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number one is that we think our spiritual gifts are about us. Mistake number two that I think we can make when we get super focused on discovering my own spiritual gifts um, is we can make the mistake of having an overly narrow view of our gifts. And, and what I mean is this, um, we can end up thinking like, all right, I've got to discover precisely what gift or gifts I have and not go any further than that. 
Um, I think when we talk about spiritual gifts in the New Testament, first of all, that there's not a sense in the New Testament that I think limits us to saying each person has a gift. There are times where that's the way that Paul talks about it, but I think the way that things unfold, it's not meant to be that narrow, where it's like you have one gift and you don't have any other gifts. First of all, because we can just observe. We know there's people who are gifted in multiple areas of, of what's talked about in the scripture. And even the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote this, I mean, he was obviously gifted as a teacher. He also had the gift of prophecy. He had the gift of tongues. That There's multiple things. You could probably say with Paul, you know, word of wisdom or word of... Um, or word of knowledge. So so it's it's more complicated than just saying, well, I have this gift, I don't have any other gifts. Um, I, I think one of the things that we can observe is in life, there tend to be people who are more generalists and more specialists. And I, I can't say from scripture we can absolutely prove this, but I think that that seems to be true when it comes to spiritual gifts also. There are some people who maybe it's it's very, very obvious what spiritual gift that they have, and that's really where it's it's best for them to focus that energy. And then there's other people that you can look at and you can feel like you're 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 kind of good at a bunch of things. Um, I really feel like my wife is is a little bit of this, a, a little bit of the generalist with our family and also with our church, where there's a lot of things that she's good at. There's a lot of things that she's able to do. And so, you know, it, it, when it comes to our, even our family, I mean, she, she's she's good at cleaning. She's good at gardening. She's good at sort of envisioning. We just did some work to, at our house. She, she's good at sort of envisioning that. Um, She's uh she's um she's good with the kids. She she's good with finances. She's good in all these different ways, and probably with most of them, not good enough that she would be like a, a college professor te- teaching a course in those. But she's able to do a lot of things and a lot of things that help our family and and sort of that generalist sense. I feel like I've observed that in the way that she served our church. Also, she's there are things that she's clearly good at and other things that she wouldn't be as good at. But she served in children's ministry and she's been effective there. She serves with the women's ministry, both as a group leader and then also occasionally as a teacher. So she has gifts for upfront, even though she she might not think that that's her sort of primary gift. There's other ways that she's great with organization. So if there's something that needs to be organized, she's also great with editing things and she's great with words. So sometimes she's edited lessons that I've done or things that I've written. So she has this sense. She, she's able to do a whole bunch of things. And I think that, that there's other people in the body of Christ that the gifting might be a bit more narrow. It might be like, all right, you can do these two things everything else you're, you're not very good at, but but God has really gifted you in these two areas. And so once again, when we get overly focused on just saying, you know, and, and even with some of the spiritual gifts inventories, which I'll talk about later, I, I don't think that those are, are anathema. I think that those can have a purpose. But what they usually come up with for us is like, all right, here are your two or three gifts, which first of all, are not authoritative. It's, it's an assessment that we made up to do our best with, um, but also it, it sort of can limit it to be like, these are my gifts. I don't have these gifts. Some people, I think, are more of the spiritually gifted generalist, where there's a bunch of things that they can do, and that is so effective for the body of Christ. So I think we miss that. We miss the sense of being able to look around and see that and say, thank God that we have people who can kind of do a bunch of stuff pretty good, pretty competently, and that really helps out because you never know what need is going to arise. Um, so, so that's mistake number two. Mistake number two is is we we don't allow room for sort of the spiritually gifted generalist who's going to be able to do a whole bunch of things. Um, mistake number three, and, and this in some ways may be the biggest, is we think that knowing our gifts, that whether or not we know our spiritual gifts, is going to be what makes or breaks whether or not we serve the church. And what I want to say, all right, I, I I'm 
by some people's measure, I'm not an old man yet, but I'm no longer a young man and I have a little bit of experience under my belt. And I'm just going to say, I absolutely do not believe that one of the top five hindrances of people using their gifts and serving the church is that they don't know their gifts. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through spiritual gifts tests and spiritual gifts inventories and get a lot of information and it hasn't made it so that they serve. And I know a lot of other people that are serving faithfully that have never taken one of those tests or maybe even stopped to think through what their spiritual gifts are. I do not think that this is the make or break issue. And I bring it up because sometimes as, as church members and even people like me who are church leaders, we can get into this idea of saying people aren't serving. You know what we got to do? We got to do a big spiritual gifts series or a spiritual gifts inventory. Now, the deal is that might help. That might be a piece of the puzzle. But I think we need to recognize that is not the main thing that keeps people from serving. The main thing that keeps people from serving, I believe, relates back to the first mistake. It relates back to the idea that we just don't see ourselves as belonging to the church, and we don't see our gifts as belonging to the church. So we consider it sort of an optional thing. Yeah, if I want to, if I feel like the need is big enough, if, if it's convenient with my time, sure, I, I may pitch in. If we see ourselves as belonging to the church, we will serve and we'll be able to serve effectively whether or not we've taken a lot of time to try to figure out exactly what our gifts are. Um, I, I mentioned before spiritual gifts tests and inventories. Um, I think that these can be helpful. Um, I don't think that we should throw all of them out. But, but what I want to say is I think that knowing our gifts is fruitless unless we're already committed to the church. Um, and in fact, there might be a parallel here with with marriage, where we might say, "All right, maybe there's a couple that's having problems in their marriage, and uh, and and we want to come to them, and we want to say, "All right, well, well, maybe part of your problem is that you don't know each other's love style, or you don't know your own love style or love language, and so we're we're going to dig into that." Um, now, here's the deal: that kind of stuff can be very helpful and effective if you're already committed. If you've got, if, for example, if you've got a husband that's just sort of like, you know what, uh, I, I'm not really willing to put in much effort. I, I feel like she just needs to adjust, I, and I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure I want to work very hard at this. And we respond by saying, oh, well, if we could just help you figure out your love language and her love language, that would solve the problem. Um, he may look into the love language stuff. He might even enjoy it um, because people who are narcissists enjoy hearing about themselves. So he might be like, oh, this is really cool. And this helps me know myself better. And maybe even think like, this helps me know better how she should be treating me because this is the kind of person that I am. It is not going to bear fruit unless there is already a commitment to work in the marriage. But if you have a husband and wife, and let's say they're just like, we keep missing each other's hearts. Like it, it is frustrating. We feel like we can't quite get to it. We're trying, every, he's trying all this stuff. She's trying all this stuff. And we, and we can't quite figure it out. Something like figuring out love styles or love languages can be incredible fruitful and here's why you're suddenly taking a great amount of effort that you're already giving and you're redirecting it more effectively 
So if you've got a guy and he's just like, I, I don't understand, I get her flowers all the time and you know, I get her little candies and, and all of this stuff and, and it just doesn't seem to work. And suddenly he discovers, oh, you know, her, her love style has to do with um, words of affirmation and affection. And so he, he's able to channel all that effort and he starts writing her notes and saying things to her and suddenly it's the same amount of work, it's just way more effective. And maybe she's looking at him and she's saying, you know, I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I, I cook the meals, I take care of all of this stuff, I make sure that, that the rooms are clean, and, and suddenly she discovers that his love language is quality time. I promise these are not based on actual realities, or maybe they are slightly based on, on things um, between me and my wife. But, but she might uh, suddenly realize like, oh, like I, all right, I, I still want to help things be generally clean, but I'm going to go over and sit on the couch and spend time with them and talk with them. And suddenly all of that effort is going in a more effective way. So here's where I think spiritual gifts, inventories, and tests can be effective. Um, if you've got a person that they're like, man, they are committed to the church and they're serving over here and serving over here and it keeps not going great and other people are a little bit frustrated and they're a little bit frustrated and they're like, I can't quite figure this out. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm committed. I'm showing up to all the stuff I'm supposed to show up at, but, but it's not quite having an effect. Then they go through a spiritual gifts inventory and suddenly they start to get some more direction. Then they can channel that effort and say, oh, now I'm going to start serving much more effectively because I'm in a spot that I'm more gifted for. That's where these things really have their effect, but we need to not overestimate that anybody knowing their spiritual gifts is going to deal with the heart issue that most of us have. And the heart issue that most of us have, especially in the United States, and maybe even more so in Southern California in 2022, is that we believe we are the center of the universe. And if you believe that you are the center of the universe, finding out about your wonderful spiritual gifts is not going to help you get outside of that. What's going to help you get outside of that is embracing the idea that the gifts are given for the common good and that they're given for the glory of God, that we are not at the center of the story. And suddenly figuring out what our gifts are is going to channel our energy in the right way. Um, by the way, uh, on this whole thing, if it's sort of like, all right, it's, it's not terribly important for me to figure out my gifts, what's the alternative? I mean, what's the alternative to sitting down and really trying to figure out what my spiritual gifts are? And I would say the alternative is just to start serving. Just start somewhere. It may, maybe going back to the soccer team analogy I gave before. There might be a player and we're like, hey, you're on the team now and the team needs you on the team. And they're like, well, I, I don't know. Am I, am I a fullback? Am I a forward? And they're like, you know what? We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get you in. You know, first thing, we're going to put you at fullback. We're going to put you as one of the defenders, and we're going to see how that goes. And maybe it's like, all right, that, that's, that's okay, but let, let, let's try something new be, because you're not killing it back there. So, so let's try you as one of the attackers. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll train you, and we'll, we'll get you going with that. And like, all right, it's, it's not terrible, but, you know, maybe we need to try you as a goalie. Maybe we need to try you here. Maybe you're the sweeper. You try try different things. And most of the time, most of the people that I know have discovered their spiritual gifts more by trial and error, more by getting into something and saying, well, that wasn't very effective. Like I tried as a greeter, but I'm, I'm really shy. And I tried to get past it, but people kind of saw that things were out of sync. And then I tried over here in children's ministry and that was okay, but it wasn't quite it. But, but then I came over here and I started getting involved in this helps ministry and man, I just came alive and everybody felt like I was a great part of the team. And I, and I really discovered where I was. Just start serving. In fact, as we're going into 2023, and for, for some of you watching this, it'll be 2023 by the time you watch this. Um, if you're saying, all right, I, I know I have gifts. 
I know God has given me those gifts for the common good. I, I know that the church, there's a hole there. If I'm not using my gifts, I know that there's a gap there. Just start serving. Yeah, have conversations with, with your pastor or with somebody else to say, hey, wait, where, where do you think I should serve? Where do you think I would be effective? But just start serving. Just do something. And the body of Christ will benefit even if you're not in your best place right now. Um, finally, the fourth mistake that I think that we make when we place outsized importance on discovering our spiritual gifts is we avoid opportunities where things just need to get done. Um, we all belong to Jesus if we're believers, and we all belong to his church. And so by that, we belong to one another. Man, sometimes, if you're in a family, sometimes there's stuff that just needs to get done. Um, my wife is much better at meal preparation than I am. But sometimes she's out of town or she's sick, and I've just got to get it done with the kids. And I can get it done. It's not going to be great, but but I, I can get a meal out for them. And if I looked at that and I was like, this isn't really my thing. This isn't really my gift. I, I, I just don't think that I'm going to get into this. Sometimes things just need to get done in a family. And sometimes things just need to get done in a church. And so sometimes we have gaping needs and, and it's something where it's like, gosh, we, we, we need like 40 more people to volunteer over here. We need a whole bunch more people to help with this event. And if we're all sitting around saying, and maybe even correctly saying, that's not my gift, that's not the primary way we're meant to look at our relationship with the church. Maybe that isn't your gift, but it still needs to get done. And we all should be willing to do things that are outside our area of expertise or even gifting. Um, and, and when you think about it, we, we all know in a crisis, in an emergency, we would do that. Um, if, if there was a fire in the worship center and the worship service was going on and there were a bunch of kids in there and then everybody was running all over the place trying to figure things out and somebody came up to you and said, hey, we got 10 kids here. I need you to get these kids outside to safety. And you looked at them and said, I'm not great with kids. I, I don't know if this is, it would be silly. Just be like, I don't care if you're good with kids, get those kids out of here. This is an emergency. And so part of it is that I think we've got to recognize the stakes of this. And, and I bring up kids just even because in, in Life Bible Fellowship Church, we, we, we frequently have these gaps within children's ministry. And I'll share, some of you might not know this, but, but this is sometimes how I pray for God to provide for children's ministry. I pray for God to provide some people that children's ministry is their thing, that it is their gift and it's their contribution and it's gonna be a lifelong thing and it's gonna be wonderful and life-giving and exciting. And then I also pray for people who will be good enough and willing to serve. We're just gonna say, you know what? I can do this. This is a clear need. It's, it's, it's a situation where we recognize the importance of it. So I'm willing to step in the gap and be a contributor to this, even though it, it might not be my greatest area of gifting. Um, and it might even be something that you say, I'm going to stand in the gap for a while. This probably isn't where I'll serve for the next 20 years, but, but I recognize there's a unique circumstance. And we all need to be willing to pitch in in different ways if we're going to make a church run. Sometimes we all need to be willing to help take out the trash. Sometimes we all need to be willing to set up chairs or do things like We don't leave that all to the people with the gifts of help or service. All of us contribute to that. And there will be times where God calls people who are not upfront people to get upfront because there's something that just needs to get done. And then there's gonna be times where God calls the upfront people to be behind the scenes because there's something that needs to get done behind the scenes. All of us are meant to serve, and that means we're gonna sometimes do things that are outside of our area of gifting because the mission is bigger than our personal comfort. Um, in fact, I alluded to this earlier. I just wanna read 
a couple of verses. First Peter chapter four, verses 10 and 11, it's just this two verse, terribly profound statement about spiritual gifts. And it says this, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, totally in line with 1 Corinthians 12, seven, um, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So there's the idea, many gifts, one body, various forms. Then he says this in verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is a beautiful statement about spiritual gifts. Hey, if you're primarily a behind-the-scenes person, serve with all that you've got. If you're primarily an upfront person, speak as if you're speaking the very words of God. Why? So that God gets the praise and the glory, so that the light of Jesus spreads near and far and more people are drawn into that light. We have a mission, which means that we all shouldn't just be sitting around saying, no, this is my area. I don't delve over there. We have a mission. And when we get too focused on figuring out what are my gifts precisely, we miss that there are going to be times for all of us where we're called to do things that are outside of our area of gifting or competence simply because stuff needs to get done. Now, here's the deal. If you're somebody that's listening to this and you're like, man, I am committed to the church and I am absolutely committed to giving, uh, uh, to, to serving my, with my spiritual gifts in the church, um, if all that's going on and you're in your head wondering like, man, I wonder if I should take a spiritual gifts test, I would say go for it. And absolutely, go for it. It'll probably help you. It'll give you some direction. There'll still be some trial and error, but if you're already in, go for it. Um, if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm in, I'm not quite, I've never really served before. I would say, man, before you even take a test, just get involved and just sign up for, say, you know what? I'm willing to be a greeter. I'm willing to help set up chairs. I'm willing to serve in children's ministry. I, I'm willing to explore men's ministry. I, I'm willing to explore one of these different things. I'm willing to be on the tech team or I'm willing to see if I would be gifted for the worship team. Just start serving. Sometimes we discover this stuff through trial and error. God will work through you even if you're outside of your area of gifting. And often the best way to discover your gifting is not through a test, but it's through actually being involved and starting to see how God works through you and uses you in that process. Uh, I hope that this is helpful. I hope that, again, the main takeaway is that discovering our own spiritual gifts is not at the top of the importance when we talk about this subject. The most important thing is for us to see ourselves as belonging to Jesus, belonging to the church, and using our gifts to serve him and to serve one another. If you have questions or feedback about this, um, I'd love to engage with you on this. We post all of our um, episodes of The Christian Contrast on YouTube, and so you can find this episode and other episodes there, or on our website, lbf.church. Um, once again, I'd be happy to engage with any comments or questions that come up there, and I hope that you put this into practice, and I hope that you have a great rest of 2022. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. God bless, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Music